0: Knock knock. What happens when relapse comes knocking? People often identify tragic events as what could lead them back to using. Death of a loved one, a serious accident, or some catastrophic event is what people often talk about Is what can lead to using again after achieving abstinence and sobriety. But we all know relapse does not occur from only those circumstances. Listen about the concept of relapses knocking to help strengthen prevention from returning to alcohol and drug use and other behaviors and build on your recovery. Welcome listeners to Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast, which is the follow-up to the book Addiction and Recovery. And as always, I am your host, Andrew J. Schreier. This podcast explores discussions regarding important issues relating to addiction and recovery. Information you learn here is not typical of what you would find in academic textbooks and resources and comes from my experiences as a clinical supervisor, substance abuse counselor, and licensed professional counselor. Along with all the work I do with individuals and others involved in this field, listen as we cover a wide range of topics looking to educate individuals, families, communities, organizations, institutions, mental health professionals, educators, and anyone else impacted by addiction and recovery. So relapse is a major topic of discussion in addiction and recovery world. In treatment and counseling, it's talked about a lot. And there are goals we develop, interventions we create, plans for how to Address high risk situations and coping skills for preventing a relapse. And community support groups, people talk about preventing a relapse or even coming back from a recent relapse. So, yes, relapse is a big part of what we talk about. What I want to talk about in this episode is the concept of relapse in relation to how I have seen and heard people view it when it just came out of nowhere and they used. And when we talk about What could lead to a relapse? What people often tell me and what I commonly see when it comes to a relapse are not always congruent. And as a treatment provider working with substance use disorders, you know, I worked in a lot of settings where patients and clients lived: Group home, halfway house, you know, residential treatment programs were a big part of my career early on. And people live there for like 30, 60, 90 days, and even longer at times. And while receiving treatment and maintaining sobriety, these individuals are then dealt with the reality of leaving, which means going home. Maybe that's going to a different place of living. Maybe that's returning to a community they have been to since getting locked up or being in treatment. And the idea of not being in treatment sinks in more. And a common question that would often be asked is, well, what do you think would lead to a relapse? You know, what could happen or what might be something that is a high risk for you or could lead you to using once again? You don't want someone saying nothing. You know, like, I'm good, I got this, right? Like anyone listening who has been in this field or dealt with a substance use issue or someone else's, you know those I got this words are scary. So we want confidence, but we don't want overconfidence. We don't we want planning, not I'll see what's like I'll see what happens. So let's plan by asking that question. So most often people will give two pretty typical or three pretty typical answers that will lead to a relapse. The top 3 that I commonly hear are, one, if someone close to me dies. So, family member, loved one, friend. That if someone close to me dies, that would lead me to using again. Second thing is, if I get into some kind of accident, or I'm in some severe injury and need some pain medications again. I hear that a lot from people with opioid use disorder. And then there's three, if something tragically happens. So, some kind of traumatic situation or event that happens that would lead back to using. Now, let's let's take a close look at those three. And they are clearly significant events to experience, right? Like, no one is taking away from the fact that losing a loved one, getting into some kind of accident, or dealing with some kind of tragic event are difficult. And, and yes, they can definitely shake someone's recovery. But As significant as they may be, are they the reasons why people with substance use or other behaviors are relapsing? And I've always paid attention to this because let me me tell you something. In all my experiences as a counselor, clinical supervisor, when people relapse, when we process it afterwards, and we discover that it happened, these aren't what I'm hearing about. People aren't telling me all the time that someone has passed away or they were in a car accident or experiencing some kind of tragedy. Does it happen? Yes, it does. But does it happen as often as people are giving it the top reasons for why a relapse would happen? And that answer is no. You know, relapse doesn't have to happen as a result of some significant life event that became too overwhelming to the point where we couldn't manage without it. Relapse can start over little things and can be patient and can last a while even before the person actually uses alcohol or drugs or engages in some kind of behavior. So let me say that again. Relapse can start over little things It can be patient and can last a while even before the person actually uses alcohol and drugs or engages in a behavior. For a while now, I've really been developing this concept related to relapse, and I've been crafting it for quite a while, and I'm excited to share it in this episode because I feel like this is a time right now where I've been working on it and I can share it and it can make sense and help. So this is what I've been calling relapses knocking. And in this concept, we're going to be looking at relapse prevention. So we're looking at someone being abstinent from illicit substances or abstinent from gambling or some kind of behavior that you are in recovery from. And you've been able to maintain some abstinence. For how long? From what? Who really knows? But let's just imagine there is some sobriety occurring. And we are looking at maintaining that abstinence in hopes of building on recovery and in doing so, help to prevent a relapse. Okay, so that's, that's setting the stage of kind of where you would be in this situation. Maybe you're there right now. Uh, maybe you're not there yet. But that's, for the purpose of relapse prevention, that's where we gotta look at this from. I want you to imagine being in a house. And everything about it has been built upon what has helped you to get sober. You know, so first of all, you threw everything out about the addiction of the house. You got rid of the substances, the memorabilia, the paraphernalia, and you got rid of all of it. And I want you to imagine that you also got rid of the people who were connected with your substance use. You are no longer associating with them, deleted their phone numbers, blocked them. Your house is built on the foundations of your recovery principles. The house is filled with all the coping skills, the tools, and the resources that have helped you remain sober. Your house has its yard and fence that have become boundaries to help with keeping yourself safe. The people that go in and out of the house are those that are your support network. Alright, so got this picture in your mind that this is what you have been developing, which is helped you to get to this point of sobriety and helping you to maintain it. Now, here is where a lot of people make a mistake about relapse. Relapse is often imagined to be like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. So, all of a sudden, like, addiction comes crashing in the front door and says, here's addiction, and it's portrayed as, like, terrifying, scary, and incredibly powerful. And that would sort of align... Up with those top three reasons you know someone close to you dying some kind of tragic accident or injury or something tragically happening those would be like that Jack Nicholson crashing through the house and just kind of destroying everything but once again that's not what we're seeing but that is sometimes how we portray it And the problem is that's not how relapse often occurs. I'm not saying it never occurs that way, but it often is not those things that people are talking me about. So now put yourself back into that house. And I want you to imagine something that happens that causes some distress, even a little bit of distress. And now that little distress signal sort of radiates out. And addiction takes notice of it. So now all of a sudden it can recognize it. So remember, addiction can be patient. So it takes notice of you and now it's kind of on your map. And the more this distress signal grows and goes unaddressed, the easier it is for the addiction to find you and know where you are. And it will listen. It will pay attention. It it will be patient. But the more distress that gets sent out, the easier it is for it to find you and to make its way over. So now we're getting an idea of what's happening on that side. So let's go back and take a look at what's happening inside your house. As you experience some distress, what do you do? Are you using the coping skills, the tools, the resources you have inside? Are you establishing those important boundaries outside? Are you reaching out to your support network and people who you need to communicate with? Are you using new ways of thinking and making decisions? Think about this real clear. What happens when that distress hits? And what do you do about it? Or are you falling back into old ways? Are you failing to use those coping skills, those tools, and those resources? Are they gathering dust and sitting in boxes in the basement? Are you forgetting about the importance of the boundaries and venturing out into territory and areas that are harmful or at risk? Are you staying silent and not saying anything about what you're going through? Are you becoming distant and isolated from people in your support network? Have you stopped going to meetings? Are you not reaching out to a counselor or therapist that you've worked with? Have you stopped going entirely? Are you actually reaching out to some of the old peers who are not the best influence? Are you going back to old using thinking in ways of dealing with issues, like avoiding, escaping, and numbing? So let's be real clear again. What happens when that distress hits? And what do you do about it? In this scenario, where you are not using the skills, you're not establishing boundaries, you're, you're being silent, you're avoiding, you're reaching out to old peers related to your substance use or other behavior. And all that you are creating is like a welcome home party for the addiction to show up. You are creating the environment and situation for it to show up. And the more this continues, the higher the likelihood it will. This is what's really important, this next transition here. Remember, it's not going to come crashing through the door like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Addiction will come knocking on your door. This is an area that people are unaware of and have misconceptions about addiction. It is not going to show up and say, I'm here to ruin your life. I'm here to destroy everything. I'm here to cause misery and pain again. Let's use or drink until you overdose or end up in the hospital. Let's gamble everything away until you lose the house. Addiction is not like that. You don't crave consequences. You don't get tempted with the worst things that could happen. People wouldn't crave and be tempted to use it if that's what happened when it showed up. It doesn't do that. It's going to knock on the door and act like a friend. It's going to be a source of comfort in a way to escape. Or numb. Or avoid the distress. It's probably going to convince you that you're so overwhelmed that you need a way out of it. That you can't handle it, but it can help you. It will make promises and say whatever you want to hear in order to let your guard down and invite it in. It'll say things like, just one more time. Let's just do it once and then I'll leave. It'll be different this time. It'll only be one drink. We're only going to use this last time. Don't worry, it'll be okay. These are the promises and the sayings that addiction will make for you to just open the door. Just keep it open just a crack and get you to continue to let your guard down until that moment comes. So this is the picture, right? From how your house was to how your house is now, from what was in there and what were you were using to what is in there now and what you are not using, from the people that were in there to the people who are now in there. All this is going on, and addiction's at the door, and saying all these things to you, and then that moment hits, and you are not dealing with the distress, so that that's growing. And I believe a lot of my listeners can relate to this. That moment hits, when you get a case of the fuck hits, and say, come on in. And then when it enters, that's when the substance use, gambling, pornography, etc. happens. So relapse knocked, and you answered. It didn't come crashing into your home like a semi-truck. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes events happen that are traumatic and challenging. However, those types of events don't account for all the relapses that happen in people's lives. I also know a lot of people who have experienced that, experienced some really tragic things, and they didn't relapse. They built a really solid foundation to protect them from that. And in this scenario, you can see how this can be a process of relapse that gets triggered. And can happen long before someone actually returns to using. This is why when people are asked about a relapse and they say, I don't know, I just used. We know there's more to the story. A lot more to it. A lot to unpack. That's why that's sometimes we... We'll trace a relapse. We'll do timelines of relapse. We'll go back and look at, well, where did things start to go wrong? That it wasn't just that moment of using. But this shows you how it can be very patient. And it's not going to show up trying to destroy your life. It's going to show up trying to be a friend, a comfort. And at some point, it's going to say what you want to convince yourself that, yes, come on in. Case okay, so of the fuck it's. So, what do we do with this? Number one is paying attention to that distress signal. That moment where that distress signal goes out doesn't mean that we're just going to relapse and use. But... If that distress is happening, and we are not addressing it, and we are not utilizing the things that we have used to get to this point of being sober and maintaining it, that distress signal will grow. It will grow and grow till we start to become less and less tolerant of it. And then all of a sudden, it's going to get to that point where it seems overwhelming, where we feel like we can't deal with it. And then all of a sudden, we're going to get that temptation to want to numb, escape, or avoid. And we know what does that. So it plays right into it. So the first thing we got to pay attention to is when that distress signal goes out, we have to pay attention, and we have to find ways to work on it and address it. The second thing with this is it's your recovery house. This is what you're responsible for, your recovery. Who's in it, who's not, your boundaries, your your tools, your skills. You start putting things away and not using them or you throw them out. Why would it be surprising that when you become distressed, you're not able to handle it? So I'm not saying you got to go to meetings every single day. I'm not saying you have to go to meetings every single week. I'm not saying you have to go to therapy every single day. You got to go to therapy every single week. But if you start to put these things away, you're not using them. And when you start to get distressed, you're not likely to use them because they've either been packed away and lost, or you're really rusty with them and you're going to get frustrated. Or you got rid of it, and now you got to go find it. But now you got to try and do that as you are dealing with an increased amount of distress. So it's important to know keeping your house in order for what you allow in it, for what you you don't allow in it, to the people, to what you're talking about, to what you're not talking about. You might be okay voicing frustration towards somebody or something, but you're staying silent about what that's doing to you. You might voice it to people who are going to tell you what you want to hear, or they might say, yeah, you're right, screw it. When you should really be telling it to people that are going to reiterate what you need to do. That's about you keeping your recovery house in order. And no one's going to do that for you. That's your responsibility to do that. You can get help. You can have people to help you with that and to process that and to learn from it and develop the things that you need to, get the resources you need to. But you have to either invite those people in to do that. When they show up, let them come in and help you with that. you got to call them To get that help. It's not always automatic. And even sometimes when we're fortunate enough. When people do offer the help. We slam the door on them. We slam the door on people who might be willing to help us. Or get us out of a situation. And then when it comes to addiction. We sometimes open it up. And welcome it in. That is our responsibility to pay attention to that. Our house, we gotta keep that in order. Now the last one is, yes, things get tough. Things get hard and we get stressed, we get overwhelmed. Life ain't easy. And recovery just doesn't provide magic answer to solving all of those problems. Recovery gives us the chance to do that. But it doesn't just, oh well here's, I'm sober here, take this away. Whatever problem or distress we're dealing with. So that, to me, is letting you know that there are times when relapse is going to come knocking. And to me, that's part of the disease of it. So to just be like, well, it's never going to knock, i that happens, that's great. But if you listen to other episodes about me, I think having plans in case it does knock is important. So when re- relapse knocks, don't answer the door. You don't have to. And this isn't a story of the big bad wolf that's going to huff and puff and blow the house down. More often than not, it's going to be you opening the door. Or you being so overwhelmed that you think you have no other choice but to to open the door and let it in. But you can build a recovery foundation that can withstand all of that stuff that relapse can throw. I've always said relapse is part of the addiction, but it doesn't have to be a part of recovery. So no matter what happens, you don't have to open the door. You don't have to cower to it like there's nothing you can do. If you got a good recovery plan, you got a good network of people, you're using the things you've learned the tools and skills, the resources, that recovery house can withstand anything addiction attempts to throw at it. But that's where we have to rely back on, one, your the distress signal and what you're doing to deal with that, and two, your recovery house in order. Those two things will help you to not answer the door. And be prepared when it comes knocking or when it comes huffing and puffing, when it might. You know, relapse prevention is a big part of addiction recovery. It's not always as big as what we sometimes think it is. It's not always going to come crashing into our lives with something that is traumatic and overwhelming. There are going to be plenty of times when relapse shows up as a friend, a confidant a warm hug, or a helping hand. It will notice the distress in your life and the signal that grows louder when you are not using the tools, resources, skills, and support network that helped you remain abstinent. When it shows up knocking, it will try and get you to just slightly open the door, give a little bit of room in order to get its foot in. And that moment you say, fuck it, you invite it in. So it's important to pay attention when those distress signals first go out. Pay attention to what's going on in your house. And don't open the door no matter what addiction tries to convince you of. Continue to keep your house in order and keep the support network that you need in the house. Or invite them over. That is how you prevent the relapse from occurring. This is how you go through some of life's challenges, temptations, obstacles, and everything else, and avoid going back to using. You can do a lot to help prevent relapse from knocking. But if it does, you don't have to answer. Abstinence and recovery can withstand anything. So, pay attention that when relapse comes knocking, because that's, in my experience, and when I've heard people tell me about relapse, talk about relapse, when I found out that someone's relapsed and overdosed, and when I'm hearing, you know, what was going on or what was happening, a lot of times, this is a scenario I see playing out in my head. That somewhere along the line, something happened, and it eventually led down to using again. And hasn't always been because of tragedy or something traumatic. I hope you learned something about what happens when relapse comes knocking. Thank you for tuning in.